Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very, very accomplished banker turned entrepreneur, Mr. Sajid Rahman from Jakarta, Indonesia. Sajid, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ashutosh. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Sajid is the co-founder and CEO of Digital Healthcare Solutions, an organization that is part of the Grameen Group. He's a partner of My Asia VC, which is a venture capital fund. He's a former banker with Standard Chartered. He's a board member with several organizations. He writes for several publications. And interestingly, he's a runner of marathons. Wow, what, a, what a, an amazing uh, profile you have, Sajid. So, Sajid, let's first talk about digital healthcare solutions. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this venture. So, it all started as part of Telenor Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Telenor, as you know, is a Norwegian telco with big presence in South Asia and yeah. Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, they own a majority stake in one of the largest telco companies in Bangladesh called Grameen Fall. Yeah. So Telenor wanted to launch a healthcare business to serve uh, essentially their customer base, which is around 70 million in Bangladesh. Right. And uh, they were looking for someone who has experience of building a startup within a corporate because the whole idea that it would be a separate company, operate like a startup, right. you know, from scratch, build the whole platform. Mm. So that's, uh, you know, they brought me in to build the whole Telenor health thing. And then at some point, uh, the Telenor Health uh, got so big that, mm. uh, you know, they wanted to get a partner who actually understands healthcare better okay. because Telenor is mostly a telco. Right. So that's where the uh, Grameen came in and took, the, you know, tel- from, took it from Telenor Health to uh, under Digital Health. Mm-hmm. And we rebranded it as Digital Healthcare Solutions. Okay. Uh, mostly uh, started as more like uh, access to healthcare for mm-hmm. people who otherwise won't have it. Mm-hmm. So build a digital platform on top of that telco network. That's okay. how it all started. So access to quality doctor consultation, uh, medicine prescription, medicine delivery, uh, video consultations, audio consultations, stuff like that. Okay. But then we expanded the whole thing into other places. So you know we connect these healthcare solutions with clinics, hospitals, uh, uh, medical colleges, nursing colleges. Uh, we are now trying to create an end-to-end healthcare solutions for individuals uh, across emerging markets with a big health financing component because most of these countries struggle to have uh, good health insurance programs. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And uh, this is predominantly in Bangladesh or is it in other countries as well? It is currently only in Bangladesh. Okay. And are you planning to expand it to other countries? Definitely, yeah. So, I mean, currently we serve 5 million people in Bangladesh. So it's quite a scaled operation. Yeah. And now that the model is proven and we think that it can scale in a you know, positive economic uh, you know, underlying factors, right. we are now looking to expand in other markets. So we'll probably look at similar demographics like Bangladesh. Very interesting. So my question to you when I was reading about you was uh, that telemedicine has been in existence for the last three, three and a half decades when VSATs came into the world. Mm-hmm. How is your offering different in terms of a digital hospital as compared to telemedicine? 
So the way it's different is, you know, it's just not one of consultations that we usually know where, you know, person calls the doctors and get it. Mm-hmm. It's essentially uh, the way reason we call it as a hospital, because it's wants to digitize the whole hospital offerings. Mm-hmm. So from a consultation where actually electronic medical record is created of the individual, mm-hmm. then the electronic medical record data is used to prescribe medicines. Uh, connected to pharmacists to deliver uh, pharma, you know, medicines to the individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any uh, item is required, let's say diabetes, uh, you know, uh, measurements or anything like that, that can get that can be bought from the hospital, like a marketplace. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the big thing is that you know one of the challenges we find in teleconsultation it's uh, it's good for primary care, but it's not so good for secondary or tertiary care. Mm-hmm. That's where the physical you know intervention is to come in. And that's why we connect the individual patients to clinics and hospitals so that the healthcare journey continues and the data flow continues with the patient. Very interesting. So tell me, you know, in the 5 million people that you are currently uh, serving or servicing in in Bangladesh, what are some of the health challenges that you seem to be addressing? So uh, it's very typical of probably a lot of South Asian countries. So uh, diabetes is a big challenge uh, in, in case of mm. Bangladesh. High, hypertension is a big issue. Okay. Uh, cardiac problem is a big issue. Um, we, we are seeing uh, quite a few challenges in maternal and child care. Um, so, you know, some of the uh, disease, some of the, you know, uh, things that probably cannot be discussed or not probably very comfortably discussed by female patients, the sure. doctors. So they are more comfortable discussing it over phones mm. with, with the lady doctors. They can choose that. Mm. So we are seeing that. One area which we didn't anticipate that much, but we are seeing a big issue is mental health. Wow. So we are, uh, mm. especially during the COVID time, we are seeing a surge in call uh, of mental health consultations. And that's one of the reasons we actually trained our doctors who received the calls to also have some uh, training in mental health. Uh, so they had to go through that uh, curriculum. You know, what you're saying is so fascinating because uh, from, uh, if I can use our part of the world, I'm just mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. you as someone from South Asia, mm-hmm. uh, mental health is something that is not normally spoken about. But over the last five, five or six years, I'm beginning to see people are wanting, are willing to talk about it. So I think that's True. a very positive kind of a move that's happening. True. Uh, there was a stigma around that, uh, yeah. but I think, you know, people are becoming more aware of mm. the challenges. Mm. So uh, one more question on healthcare before I move to the next segment. Uh, in the event of a severe or an emergency case that comes up through your digital solution, uh, do you rush patients to, uh, you know, the, the tertiary hospitals or some of the other hospitals or? Yeah. So the way it works is that, you know, so the challenge is that, you know, when you're doing telehealth or digital health or a phone or video, mm-hmm. and when you do it at scale, we, we have a very clear protocol, which doctors follow. So mm-hmm. we, this is made based on the Cleveland protocol on the same model. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happens is that the doctors are very clearly, whenever they're seeing, a, you know, and we, have, we are seeing a lot of cases where someone has a heart, you know, chest pain and calling, and if the doctor is anticipating that it might be a cardiac uh, you know, arrest, they immediately refer to the nearest hospitals and we what is good is that the doctor can see where the patient is located and where is the nearest hospital is mm-hmm. so you know so they can connect that so yeah, that is getting quite helpful fascinating so now let's move to the next part of our conversation it's it's about uh, tonic uh, and i love the name uh, which is one of the first digital offerings in bangladesh 
So tell me what areas of healthcare does this brand operate in? So the tonic started essentially during Telenor Health days, mostly mm-hmm. focusing on Grameen customers. Okay. So the so because uh, uh, Grameen Phone has a large customer base, so Tonic was the brand was our first consumer facing brand that we launched, and that uh, uh, you know that was essentially a package where a person uh, pays a very small amount, a different depending on which packages the person wants, and can get different types of coverage. So mm-hmm. uh, a simple forty nine fifty taka, which essentially translates to seventy cents uh, mm-hmm. per month, uh, a person will get. Uh, 10 minutes of discussion, free call with a doctor, we'll get uh, you know, uh, roughly $20 worth of insurance coverage to buy you know, medicine and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and sometimes the, you know, the free uh, uh, content, i.e. You know, how to live healthy, health and well-being. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, there were different packages for family, individuals, stuff like that. So that was the whole idea of Tonic, mm-hmm. where a person can get very quality healthcare and a package at a very affordable price. And the interesting thing about it is, uh, I don't know, you know, in, in, in all many countries, a lot of telco products are sold on prepaid cards, Correct. right? People buy these cards and top up. Yeah. So we use that same cards to sell tonic packages. Wow. So, Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. You know, I've always marveled at how innovative solutions are coming, you know, are in Bangladesh. I mean, full marks to you. And I've been there a few times. It's incredible. So, you know, uh, Sajid, when I was reading about you, I also noticed that you said Tonic serves as a gateway towards universal health coverage. Mm-hmm. Help me understand uh, how this happens. So what happened is, uh, you know, one of the challenges we found is that, uh, you know, the access to quality healthcare or universal health coverage was the issue of two. One is obviously pricing. So we wanted to make it very affordable at very low cost. And then of course, the question of how do we make sure that the cost of treatment is covered? So one of the things that we did very interestingly with Grameen Phone is that because they had the largest telco provider with 70 million, and we said uh, all Grameen Phone customer who wants to opt in because there is some data transfer, so it has to be opt-in, uh, they can get the whole thing for free. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea was that we bring this whole huge customer base of 50, 60 million under, which is, you know, the total country is 130 million. So mm. that's almost a half of the population I know. under this coverage uh, and provided for free. Uh, mm. So that was the, you know, the plan. Normal. And one more question, uh, and this is about the young people. I mean, you know, most of the countries in Asia, South Asia have a very young population. Mm-hmm. And I've often said I'm 65 years old, but I've often said that the, the, my generation seems to have messed up the world, but the millennials are changing it and hopefully will do good for the world. How are the millennials and the Gen Zs changing the landscape of healthcare in Bangladesh? I think uh, three ways we're seeing them. So one is uh, we are seeing a lot of millennials and Gen Z. They're very, you know, they're, they really like to work for mission-driven companies. Mm. Uh, you know, so they, they want to volunteer, even if they don't get a job, they want to volunteer for those companies. Right. And we are seeing a lot of, uh, you know, mission-driven Gen Z millennials working for us. In fact, our, you know, I'm the oldest guy in the team. There's mm. a lot of very young uh, people from coders to, you know, commercial to marketing. So a lot of them mm. are part of the team. So that's one. Uh, the second thing uh, we are seeing is a lot of them are actually opinion makers. Mm. So, you know, so in many cases, you know, the older family member, we unwilling to take a digital health offering. The mm. young are the ones making the decisions for them, for their parents, for their grandparents, and, you know, persuading them to take this advantage because it's very you know, convenient, for mm. a lot of them. So they're big. 
And the third thing I'm seeing, which is sort of like a lot of them are actually building solutions. Mm. So they have a big entrepreneurial you know, mindset. So a lot of the young population are actually working on building healthcare solutions uh, in Bangladesh. Wow, that's amazing. So now let's move to the third part of our conversation, which is about the My Asia VC, which is your venture capital fund. Uh, tell me a little bit about the fund and some of the areas that you focus on. So, you know, it all started for me, you know, uh, during my banking days and later in healthcare, you know, sort of like, you know, put in small amount of money from my salary into different startups because I thought, you know, the ideas look very interesting. Mm. So that's how it started. I ended up investing in, you know, almost a thousand plus companies wow. across the world, uh, mostly from Silicon Valley and that part of the world, but also quite a few from Southeast Asia and South Asia, uh, you know. Uh, the focus essentially are three things. So my first observation uh, of working in Africa in different countries in Asia is that you know all countries are on the same digitization curve, but at different points. So we are seeing business model that has already been proven in US are mm-hmm. being migrated in Asia. Mm-hmm. Business model that has already been proven in India are being migrated to Indonesia, right? So the, so the model risk is very low. It's more of the execution risk to find those companies and invest in them before the mm. breakout. So that's one of the thesis we have. Mm. And the second thing is a bit out. It's a very much out in the left. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, purely groundbreaking companies. So I invested in companies which watched in Hyperloop, mm-hmm. the one that, you know, Elon Musk uh, envisioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, we invest in a lot of CRISPR companies. Uh, you know, we invest in a company which is called Caribou Bioscience. So it's by Dodana. She won Nobel Prize for the first year, you know, Mm-hmm. coming up with the CRISPR, you know, uh, solutions. Right. So we do a couple of those very, very out there uh, companies uh, and just to get a front row seat of how things are developing. Wow. Wow. And uh, you also say that you have an enviable track record with 15 unicorns and 20 st- startups uh, with the value, with the value that you have is over a hundred million dollars. So tell me about one or two of your interesting uh, investments that became unicorns. Uh, so, yeah, so the number, obviously, you know, I think the good thing is, uh, you know, the whole world is now, you know, on a, an upsurge, right? given the low interest rate and everything. So the pricing, you know, so, the, so we, we are pretty much saying, uh, I mean, one or two unicorn every month within the portfolio. So the number <laughs> has significantly changed, but yeah. uh, quite a few. So one is, uh, which would be interesting to, uh, you know, there's one company which is in Indonesia. Mm. So they are building a payment platform, almost like Stripe. Mm-hmm. but for Southeast Asia market, you know, so build on that hypothesis. Mm-hmm. So they just became a unicorn a few months back. So it's just wow. a huge business doing the mm-hmm. Stripe thing. There's one company which uh, I don't know whether, uh, so they are building supersonic jet, but unlike Concorde, it will mm-hmm. be very affordable. So, okay. you know, so they are being mass, trans, you know, transportation at that speed, but very mm-hmm. affordable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one company which is working in cloud data security, you know, so mm-hmm. that's a big space and, you know, highly successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one company, I mean, there are many companies in e-commerce space, you know, which are, yeah. uh, became unicorn. So, yeah, so, I mean, uh, so what we are seeing is uh, companies that have really executed well, uh, enjoyed a significant valuation uptick um, mm-hmm. in the months, past months. Wow. So, you know, you just mentioned that you, uh, over from your standard chartered bank days, you invested in over a thousand startups. Uh, and therefore, logically, I can make a statement that uh, Sajid Rahman is a startup investment guru. So <laughs> my question to you, Sajid, is that uh, based on your experience, what are some of the basic mistakes a lot of startup founders make? 
so I think so. There are a couple of things, uh, and you know, I see uh, because I invest across geographies, so mm-hmm. not in you know across emerging markets. You know, from Brazil to you know Vietnam to mm-hmm. you know US to Bangladesh. Uh, and I think the mistake is a bit different country to country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so in an emerging ecosystem uh, like Bangladesh or Indonesia and others, we are mm-hmm. seeing founders uh, sometimes uh, do not have the enough mentor, advisor around them to really mm-hmm. help them understand the mistakes. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the challenges. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, the founders overspend. So, you know, they, one of the things the founders forget that, you know, valuation will always come in. Mm. But the question is, how do you spend that money, you know, right. to go to the next level, right? So one, I've seen founders raising funds and then misusing it, not doing it properly. So mm. that's one of the you know challenges. Some founders, uh, you know, are very slow at making people changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably that's something which comes with experience. So you know, mm-hmm. you if you do a wrong hire in a small company, that can be very expensive, right? In a large company, yes. I mean, a wrong hire can may not impact the whole company future, but in a in a 10 people company, that's a, that's a big problem, right? right? So some founders are too slow to make those changes. So that's one, mm-hmm. or that's two. And then of course, you know, the whole idea of um, trying to do too many things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, this, this very famous thing from Airbnb founders is that do things that don't scale, mm-hmm. which is contrarian of what we usually think. But right. the idea is that if you really find that sweet spot, it automatically will grow. Mm. But, you know, we are seeing founders trying to do 10 different things, you know, <laughs> because I guess the founders are so, you know, so optimistic about the future and uh, about them. So they want to solve every solution, right? mm. so which sort of creates a dilution in focus and uh, challenges for the company. Oh, fascinating. You know, when you were speaking, I was almost taken, taken back to my own journey <laughs> as a startup founder, and I'm doing something similar even now. But my next question to you, Sajid, uh, and I have time for two more questions. Uh, Given the number of startups that you work with, uh, how involved do you get in governance of these startups? So uh, not in most of the cases, right? So most of the cases is just uh, because, you know, given the number, you know, mm-hmm. because these are very early stage investments. So these are seed stage investments. So we just, you know, invest and sort of like invest and forget sort of thing. Uh, because, you know, the, usually the people taking board seats or governance are people who take a much more majority stakes mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. mostly institutional uh, funds, uh, right. you know, leading around. So, so I don't get involved, right? But few companies like Zendit, uh, where, you know, where I was an advisor to the company in the early days. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, it's not so much of governance, but more of trying to, you know, talk with the founders on, on developing design of the products or the market. Mm-hmm. Or in some cases, let's say founder reach out to me if I can make a couple of introductions you know, for the next level of investors and staff. So we do that. Fascinating. And my last question to you, uh, as an investor, at what stage do you look for an exit? So I'm, uh, you know, I, so one of the things I, I get, because, you know, I've been doing this for some time now, so I'm already getting a lot of offer for secondary mm-hmm. sales, right? So new investor come in and say, do you want to sell your stake? Mm-hmm. But I, if, I really like to see to the end. <laughs> so, so unless the company does a you know, IPO or get acquired, mm-hmm. I usually hold it. Uh, so, you know, which can happen in three years time, which can happen in seven or 10 years time. So it depends. But I usually try to, you know, go through the whole journey and see where it ends up. So I've, I've got to ask you one more question. And I often ask this from a lot of people who invest. Uh, tell me about one or two of the ones that got away. Oh, many, <laughs> many. And I like, uh, I recall, uh, 
uh, you know, I don't know whether you know, there's a company called Coinbase, which yeah. was IPO'd at, uh, at, I think, at 90 billion valuation. That's right. right? Mm. So when Coinbase was a $200 million company, I, I got an opportunity to invest and I thought, how big can this be? <laughs> I thought, okay, this might be maximum uh, half a billion or a billion dollar company. Right. So my, you know, 200 million would be a 3x, 4x because I like small checks. I need a 10, 20x. Mm. And then it ended up becoming a $90 billion company, right? So, so oh, there are many like that, uh, you know, which, <laughs> which I missed. <laughs> I know that's always a regret uh, with, with a lot of people, but then you also make so many other investments. Mm. But on that note, Sajid, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for taking me down two amazing journeys that you seem to be going through simultaneously. One is the incredible ramp up of healthcare in Bangladesh. And the second is uh, your amazing journey as, as an investor. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you. Thanks, Ashish. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for The Brand Called You.